Vikings fans. This is Chris Corso with the Vikings.com postgame report. I have Ben Lieber from U.S. Bank Stadium, Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson, and boy, oh boy, that was one of the most un... I don't even know what to call it, what the word is for it. Uh, just a terrible performance for your Minnesota Vikings, falling to 1-5 on the season. 40-23 to loss to the team that hadn't won a game yet, the 0-5 Atlanta Falcons. No head coach, no general manager as they were both fired last week. So many things to discuss and talk about here. Um, a game where the Vikings were trailing by 23 points, 23-0 to in the third quarter. Three interceptions for Kirk Cousins in the first half. We can just go on and on and on uh, with the bad things that happened for the Vikings in this game. I'm going to start out the show. I like to see Ben's tweets and ask him about them um, in this show to kick it, to kick things off. And you tweeted, I have no words during the game. So I'm going to try and have you kind of express what that tweet meant to begin the Vikings.com postgame report, Ben. <laughs> that was... That was my that was my halftime tweet, and you know usually at halftime I'll I'll try to find some positives or some negatives or just some things that I see from my perspective, and I really that was an honest to god thing of like I I can't say anything nice, so I'm just not going <laughs> to say anything at all. And there wasn't anything good that happened in that first half, and I and I think the thing that really sort of drove me nuts and drove me nuts really throughout most of the game is. You know, we've got a team that's winless. They've got a interim head coach. They have a lot of reasons to kind of feel down in the dumps, um, you know, but also psychologically, there's all, also reasons to kind of feel renewed and refreshed, I guess, you know, and you got a different approach. And I, I, I really, um, you know, maybe, maybe they took this as, okay, this is a new opportunity for us and it's a new season for us. So let's go out there and just throw it all on the line. Well, that could be said too, but, there was a lot of positives that we had coming out of that Seattle game as, as much as it was disheartening and, and deflating. Um, you still saw a lot of positive. There was some silver linings and guess what guys, you got a bye week that's coming up next. So all you got to do is come out for 60 minutes and punch a team in the mouth and take their confidence away in the first quarter of the first half. And you got the game and then you're on cruise control. And what happens? I'm not even talking like the first throw, the first throw, bad interception right not the way you want to start the game it was a terrible read it was a terrible decision by Kirk Cousins even after that though it was just there's there's no punch back there's no sense of urgency it just seemed flat and and flat doesn't even do the right it's not even the right descriptive word to to, to showcase and to, uh, describe what this offense looked like it was awful it was flat out awful and I and I just it just made me mad. And that's the only thing I could really come up with as far as a tweet is like, I have no words to describe just, you know, uh, how frustrated I am as a, as a fan and as a person that covers this team, that that's what you put out in the first half of this football game with 17 points off turnovers. Just, it's not good enough. Super frustrating, especially after a few weeks where the Vikings look like they're turning things around on offense. You play Really good teams in the Tennessee Titans and the Seattle uh, Seahawks and lose by one point, respectively, in both games. You look absolutely uh, uh, great on offense in both of those games. And, and boy, was this the exact opposite. I mean, Kirk Cousins throws three interceptions in the first half for the first time in his career. It seemed like he lacked the confidence that we started to see in some of those big moments. He had the punchback last week. There was no punchback this week. 
You get some garbage touchdowns at the end. Justin Jefferson will get to him. Spectacular game. Probably the only positive for the Vikings. But I, I want to ask you, Gabe, I mean, literally the first play of the game for the Vikings offense, I get it. You take a shot down the field. But it seemed like Kirk just didn't have it today. Yeah, and and as a quarterback, as a starting quarterback and not having your starting running back with you, you expect more pressure to be on your shoulders. Four of the first six drives for the Minnesota Vikings today uh, were either, well, three interceptions and then the turnover on downs. Like like Ben said, yeah, the, the interception on the first play of the game, okay, the bad read, um, you want to get that back. But when you have two three and outs after that, it's like, okay, what are we what are we doing here? And then you get a drive down the field, and then you turn the ball over on down um, at the one-yard line on fourth and goal. I feel like that was really when the momentum changed because right after that drive, Kirk two, threw two straight interceptions on two straight drives. So the life was just sucked out of the offense right there, especially, I mean, every everybody knew, you know, you got to start a new right guard in there, a rookie right guard, Ezra Cleveland. So we're going to have to, you know, be creative in our approach today. And, Kirk, we're going to put this on you. Our identity right now is running the ball. Alexander Madison can't get is not getting going right now. This is the 31st uh, overall uh, pass defense in the NFL and the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to put we're going to put it on your shoulders today and Kirk just didn't respond until, you know, the fourth quarter and it was it was almost too late and when the Vikings started to, you know, get some I guess get some solid plays going forward, but just I'm I'm going to save my words for off air, but uh it, it just wasn't a, a great game for the Minnesota Vikings. And Kirk Cousins, he he's going to I'm pretty sure he's going to take a lot of this blame and and, and rightfully so. Tough for the Vikings to not get the running game established at all. It's been such a staple for this team, and I get the fact that Dalvin Cook was not active for today's game, but Alexander Madison, after being so impressive in the second half against one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL in the Seattle Seahawks, he only has like 26 yards today, and what I can really remember is when the Vikings are down 10 nothing, they're kind of starting to get some momentum and they're not able to to get a first down there. Um, I think they they on a fourth down they they go um, at Mike Boone gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage. So Ben, why couldn't the Vikings get the running game going at all in this game? Well, you know that, that's the thing you talk about Madison and his lack of production. You know, early on in this game, it just seemed like even if Dalvin was in there, I was kind of thinking to myself like, would he be getting any positive yardage even with his ability? I mean. Wow. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of um, Falcon jerseys in the backfield. Uh, our guys were getting stonewalled at the line of scrimmage. There didn't seem to be a lot of holes. The whole running rhythm seemed seemed out of sync. And I'm not even sure that Dalvin really could have done much better. Um, then you get into that that first and goal situation, and we come up to the line of scrimmage on fourth down, and it looked like we we're just trying to catch the Falcons' defense off guard and just going on a quick snap. Well, we we just sort of outsmarted ourselves because it looked like Kyle Rudolph wasn't exactly ready for the ball to get snapped. He misses his block. And all of a sudden now it's a tackle for loss in the backfield and, and the drive is over and, and that opportunity was squandered. And it's like, we're trying to get too cute when we just need to, you know, punch the thing in the end zone and we kind of fool ourselves. So it, it was just frustration after frustration uh, at every level in the first half. Going to the defensive side of the ball, and speaking of the first half, you saw that guy Julio Jones put on quite a performance. Eight receptions, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Matt Ryan looked like the Matt Ryan of the Super Bowl year. Oh, I don't even know what year that was, back 2016. I mean, he threw for 
371 yards, four touchdowns. There was a fourth and three play where he scrambled outside the pocket and found Julio Jones for a long, big-time touchdown. What was going on with that? I mean, this is an offense that was just completely decimated uh, for the for the first couple games of the season. What went wrong for the Vikings on the defensive side of the ball, Gabe? I, I think it, it was just a lot of things to think about. When you got Todd Gurley in there uh, doing what he does, I mean, he didn't really have a great game, but Julio just adds another factor. Um, going into this game, Julio was, you know, a question mark. Uh, and, you know, Calvin Ridley was one of those guys where, all right, well, we know what we can do to cover him. But when Julio was, I guess, announced that he would play this game, I feel like that was just a little too much for this young secondary. Um, you got two deep threats down the field. And then a guy like Cameron Dantzler, who's, you know, you got him out there on an island, it, it, it was just a little tough for him. And then I feel like the the Falcons, they did a, a great job of scheming. They started bringing Julio in motion and putting him one-on-one against a guy like Harrison Hand because, you know, Mike Hughes went out with a neck injury today. So it, it was I thought it was great scheming by this Falcons offense. And then when you got a young secondary facing these veteran wide receivers, it, it's just a little bit tough. But hats off to Matt Ryan. You talk about that fourth down and three play right there. Uh, that's like a Pat Mahomes-esque type of play. Um, knowing where the line of scrimmage is, not crossing the line of scrimmage, and then just tossing a 50-50 ball up uh, to Julio Jones against Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney lost his footing on that play, but, you know, it's just one of those plays where <laughs> Matt Ryan just extended the play, and and, and Jeff Gladney, it just, just very unfortunate. You got a rookie cornerback in that position, and I feel like that was just the telltale of this game. The, the Atlanta Falcons, they they came into this game averaging 69 yards a game. That's third best in the NFL. They had 77, 77 – I said 69 yards – they came into this game actually averaging 69 plays a game. Uh, today they had 77. So they were just on the field and just tiring this defense out. And I feel like that was just a sign of, of this entire defense altogether, just being worn down all day today. We talk about this time of possession this year and how it's been such an issue um, the first couple weeks. Then we kind of get it back a little bit in that Seattle game. But again, the Falcons doubled our time of possession in this game, which is another uh, just a disappointing performance, especially at home. When that happens at home, I, I just don't understand against a team that's 0-5. And, and Ben, you talked about it right before we started recording here. It's like a team that's 0-5, I guess they have nothing to lose. Like, is that what happened in this game? They Like, they just had nothing to lose and they, they just played carefree? And, I mean, that's the only thing I could kind of – the only explanation I can come up with at this point. Well, let's keep in mind, too, that, that this is a – it was a winless team coming in, but they'd squandered two big leads and, and lost those games. Good point. Um, you know, they, they have that first, the, the week one onside kick kerfuffle yeah. and, and they should have won that game. So this is a team that their record really doesn't indicate how good they are. Uh, the first two games on offense, they had 700 yards and six touchdowns from Matt Ryan. And then all of a sudden, Julio hurts his hamstring. And then the two games that he was out, Matt Ryan finishes on an average of 65-yard passer rate or 65 passer rating in those two games where he's out. They, they just didn't have any rhythm without their star receiver. So now he comes into this game, and you could just tell that they felt more confident. You know, they knew – it's like Matt Ryan knew, okay, if anything, I can just throw a 50-50 ball – to Julio Jones and he's going to catch it. If anything, I can have him press, 
you know, vertically against these corners that aren't going to want to give up a big play and just put your foot in the ground and, and come back to the football for some sort of first down conversion. You know, he changes the game and how defenses have to approach them. And then all of a sudden you've got Ridley to think about and you've got these other these weapons with Zacchaeus and then you've got Todd Gurley. And so you could just feel that their offense was in rhythm. They, they went for it on a couple fourth downs. They got creative. I know it was towards the end of the game, but then, you know, Hayden Hurst, even look at that fourth down play where he has that, that little hide play where he comes from the right side and he kind of sneaks through the line of scrimmage. He's wide open on the left side of the, of the, uh, of the or the offense. And he goes in and scores a touchdown to steal the game. And it's like those little creative plays, you know, I, I don't think that you execute those creative plays without having some sort of swagger and confidence. And I think just having that one extra weapon in their offense allowed them to do that, knowing that they're, they're going to go against a, a secondary in the Vikings that, you know, is is full of rookies. I mean, there's one time well, for most of the game with Harrison Hannon there, we had three rookies as far as corners in the game. And it's just how do you expect to compete like that? Tough to compete compete with Julio Jones on the day. I mean, eight receptions in this game. Um, there were there were a ton of players who had a big impact receiver wise. Six receptions, sixty one yards, a touchdown for Calvin Ridley. Uh, as you touched on, Ben Hayden Hurst had fifty seven yards and a touchdown. I mean, it looks like there was about ten receiving receivers that Matt Ryan hit on the day for a completion. But uh, speaking of one player who had confidence and swagger. Um, this game and probably the only positive it's it's Justin Jefferson I mean he goes off again for 166 yards two touchdowns I think he has literally the best start to a a rookie wide receiver season it's he's like second to only Billy Houghton who I don't even know who that is Billy Houghton had 543 yards in his first five career games and uh Justin Jefferson is the only other NFL wide receiver rookie in the history to have over 500-plus receiving yards in that many career games. That was a stat I just read here, um, tweeted out by the NFL. So I I ask you this every week, Gabe, on all, on all these podcasts. Like, like what is the, the ceiling in, in such a terrible game for him to shine like that? I mean, it's it's just like I don't think there's a ceiling for this guy. Yeah, he's redefining what a ceiling is. And just speaking off that stat, I mean, he's tied for second most 100-yard receiving games by a Vikings rookie with three right now. Randy Moss had four, and <laughs> I think it took him, what, 16 weeks? To, well, of course it took him 16 weeks, but he didn't get four to like the 15th week of the season. This week six, and Justin Jefferson already has three 100-yard games, so that's something right there to watch out watch out for. But the, the guy is special. Like, he's he's been – one of the only bright spots for this Vikings offense this entire season. Coming into this year, he didn't get his, what, didn't really start playing until about week three when he started (laughs) getting some meaningful reps. And then that Tennessee Titans game, that's when he really exploded onto the scene. But he has to keep this up. When When you have a guy like Adam Thielen on the other side that defenses have to respect, you have to have another two wide receiver. But the way Justin Jefferson the way Justin Jefferson is playing right now, he's playing like he should be wide receiver number one, and Adam Thielen is going to start getting some more balls his way because safeties are going to start cheating over to Justin Jefferson's side. So hats off to him for for another great day. It was great to see Irv Smith have another put two weeks back-to-back of having two good games together in the, in the I guess, the receiving game. Um, but like you said, Justin Jefferson, man, that, that kid is special. Billy Houghton, a former Green Bay Packer from the 50s, 
Play the year for the Browns, the Dallas Cowboys. You, I, I, I don't, I'm surprised you don't know who he is, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I was actually just going to ask you, Mike, what, what what decade was he playing in? Because I, I was, I was going to guess the 40s, but you got me. It was, would you say the 60s or 50s? 50s? He was drafted in 1952 by the Green wow. Bay Packers. And, I mean, he had a pretty good career. He was a second-round pick for them. 503 reception, 61 career touchdown. I mean, he had quite the career. Um, wow. Yeah. That was before passing existed, huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, I could just throw out all the stats in the world for Justin Jefferson. Looking at, <laughs> look at, look at this stat. He's on pace for 1,700 yards and 10 touchdowns this season, Ben. <laughs> it, well, you know, not to urinate on your guys' party here, but, um, you know, it's – it's one of those things where he's having those opportunities because we're losing games, you know, and we're, very we're, true. we're facing these, these desperation moments where all we have to do is just pass the football to try to, you know, scratch and claw and get back into it. So I wish, I wish all these stats were coming in better circumstances and they resulted in, in more wins. But, you know, when you, when you're down multiple touchdowns in the, in the second half and late in games, you, you become one dimensional and yeah, he's, he's a tough guy to stop. And, you know, I know that he was productive in this game, but you got to think, okay, well, I've been a defensive player when, you, when you've got the game in a bag, and there's a lot of guys that just sort of play off coverage, and you're like, all right, just don't give up the big play, and you kind of you mentally check out a little bit, which means that they got to take advantage. So, yes, there's, there's a caveat with some of these stats, and same thing with Kirk Cousins. I know there's going to be some people out there that didn't watch this game, and they're going to be stat watch and look at the box score and be like, well, you know, Kirk yeah. didn't have a bad – he didn't have a bad game. Look at it. You know, he – he finished, uh, you know, with all these yards and a couple touchdowns, and yeah, the three interceptions. But that—that—that's the thing where, you know, we we sometimes lose the context of all these things. But uh, yeah. I know I'm no, I know I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative here on on uh, his performance. But uh, I just wish that Justin Jefferson is warranted would, would would be celebrated more in a winning fashion than it was a losing fashion. Absolutely, and the Vikings go to one in five for the first time since 2013. Obviously, that's pre pre Mike Zimmerish times and uh, pre pre my times with the Vikings. I don't remember us being this uncompetitive uncompetitive at all. Um, it's my entire time with the team. And looking forward, uh, I'm coming right back to you, Ben. We're going into a bye week. Uh, it's just it's it's not easy to go into a bye with this sour taste in your mouth. You obviously try to reevaluate. You try to figure out what we could possibly do to try to salvage this season. You have the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field coming up straight out of the bye week and a few other division games with the Lions and Bears after that. So, Ben, where do we go from here? Like, what is the plan going forward? Well, you've got to find some way to get some confidence in this team. And, um, you know, not only did you, we have to go to those division games, we also have to go to Tampa. you got to go to, to New Orleans as well. And uh, you've got a bunch of tough road games after the bye. It does not get any easier. Um, I would say the the one positive with this year being that it's the COVID year is these guys are not allowed really to go out of town. You know, they got to stay in town. And then that's hopefully a good thing for this, for this young secondary, for this young team that, all right, get up, you know, get off your feet, uh, try to recharge a little bit but they're never going to be far from the game. And I don't think they're ever going to be far from the coaches. So hopefully the coaches inundate these guys on their little iPads and things like that, where they can, they can watch the plays and watch the areas that they need to improve on. 
and uh, and they can learn you know and hopefully they just don't put football out of their mind this bye week they, there's no time for that they need to stay on it and uh and come back refreshed and recharged and ready to go and hopefully they it, they don't take a week or two to kind of get back in the groove hopefully they come right back they're they get ready to work they they go out and they face the green bay packers with their renewed focus and hopefully we see more of the team that we saw in seattle and not like the one we saw today Hey, Ben, we were talking uh, this offseason about this bye week, you know, saying like, why, why is it happening so soon? Like we can't get it in, you know, week eight or week nine. But <laughs> yeah, this is the perfect time to have a bye week if you're a Minnesota Viking. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, you've got, you know, it allows Dalvin to get healthy. You know, we don't know what's going on with Mike Hughes. It seems like that's a reoccurring neck injury. Um, so hopefully we get him back because, boy, we, we are really, really thin in the secondary when it comes to corner depth. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully we can just get everybody healthy. And, and you know, we'll, we'll reevaluate where Esra filled in. You know, is he better than Drew Samia? Does, does Samia give us a better chance to win? Um, so it gives us a chance to really evaluate all the youth and all the injuries that we have. And, and hopefully they, they come back with the best – the best uh, 22 guys possible 40 to, to 23 is the final score from us bank stadium ben lieber gabe henderson i i mean i'm at a loss for words i think we kind of broke it down as much as we possibly could but um enjoy the bye week guys and, and hopefully we'll come back rested more healthy and uh ready to attack the the second half of the season Moving on to the post-game reaction, we bring in Cy Amundsen. Gabe Henderson is still here from U.S. Bank Stadium. And the first clip we are going to start off with is Mr. Minnesota, Adam Thielen. Uh, whenever it's a tough game for the Vikings, Thielen is always uh, pretty pretty uh, blunt and is ready to get back on the field. So let's hear what Adam had to say following the tough loss. Yeah, it's, it's obviously difficult. Uh, the last thing you want to do is go into – uh, an off week uh, with with a loss, and then just the way that we played to go into an off week is is really difficult. Um, it'll give us a chance to kind of refresh um, to to try to um, you know figure out individually uh, how, what can I do better going into the uh, the next part of the season. Um, you, you really have to take advantage of, of this time with with how we started and and um, you know if we want to be the team and and ha- be a tough team and. And come back and, and get on a roll. We, we're going to have to all kind of self-evaluate. Um, everybody on this team in this organization have to self-evaluate and figure out a way to come back better. Um, if we can all do that, uh, we we know we have confidence in this team to be to be the team that, that we want to be. But we have to go out uh, again and 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 continually to get better individually and and try to help this team win. I'm going straight to you with this one, Gabe. You heard him say it. He he wants to get right back out on the field, but you got to wait a week. We, this is the Vikings bye week. You said earlier in the show, it's a good time for the Vikings to, to have the bye week, get healthy. But how do you move forward here if you're Adam Thielen or if you're Mike Zimmer or if you're Kirk Cousins? I think if you're Kirk Cousins and the receivers during this bye week, you're out there at TCO Performance Center on the practice field, still running routes on air, uh, throwing to each other, making sure you're on the same page, doing things that you would you would not be doing maybe it's a, a lighter practice of some sort just those two guys after you get tested for COVID make sure you're negative and then get back out there and just try to run some routes just to get on the same page because there's a little bit of disconnect in, in the first half right there with, with everybody on this offensive side of the ball so while the guys will take a much needed break I, I do think 
there needs to be some kind of unorganized practice and or some organ, unorganized meeting of trying to figure, figure this out. You you have six weeks of film to to reassess. Um, it's like you said, the first two weeks wasn't the greatest, and then you go three straight weeks right there: Tennessee, Houston, and then last week against Seattle, where you where you start to see some hope, you start to see some life and some promise. And then this week, it felt like week one against the Packers again. So you really got to go back and reassess the film. Yeah, bye weeks, Chris, can be, uh, you know, they can be such a source of joy. If you, we've all been in, we've all seen those videos in the locker room, you know, after a win, when a coach gives the team Tuesday off and everybody explodes, you know, the bye week can be the ultimate version of that, where you're riding high, you have a week off, you get to go on a little vacation but it can also be an ultimate low. And I think that's, that's something that this team has seen in a way that we haven't seen in quite a while around here. But the truth is they're professionals and that bye week can now provide some reflection. That bye week can provide some focus and it, I think it needs to provide those things. So it, I can't imagine how much it would sting to play a game like that and then have to wait two weeks. But like Gabe said, you, you now have the opportunity to really focus on the real reasons that things turned out this way with a little extra time to try to correct them. I don't remember a time where the Vikings were, oh, were four games under 500 uh, since Mike Zimmer was the head coach. And definitely a different and, and strange, weird time for the Vikings. And that's what we heard from Mike Zimmer in his post-game press conference. So let's hear the head coach break down what he thought went wrong in today's game. No, I thought we had a good week of practice. Um, you know, uh, you know, we talked about being better in the, in the third quarter. We talked about better coming out of the locker room. We throw interception the first play of the game. Um, you know, it's just, just it's strange. All right, Cy, you don't hear the head coach use the word strange very often. Uh, He tried to kind of explain what went wrong. He said they had a great practice this week. He thought that they were prepared for this game. So what do you think he means by that that term, that that it was strange, the performance that they had uh, on on Sunday? I think he means it was strange. I I mean, anybody who – there's a lot of descriptives that you could probably use uh, when talking about this game, but strange fits. I don't, you're talking about a 31st ranked defense, one of the worst pass defenses in the league that star quarterbacks, one, two wide receiver tandems had exploded against. You're talking seven touchdowns for tight ends against their, their uh, defense this year. So to, to, to come out and Kirk Cousins hasn't thrown three interceptions in the first half. I don't think since his rookie year, maybe ever in his career, it, it was it was strange. And strange is probably the top line. Now we have to go figure out why it was strange and how you fix the 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 reasons it was strange. But I'm kind of with him. I, there's there were scenarios in my head that I thought the Vikings would go out and be really successful today. There were scenarios where I thought they might have a tough time, but I didn't expect this. I didn't expect three first half touchdowns and a beatdown at home walking into the bye week. It was strange. 
very strange and i think one of the most strangest parts is is the fact that kirk cousins your starting quarterback is is really having a, a tough time in the first half this is the third game this season he's thrown an interception uh, at the end of the first half it, he's, he's thrown 10 interceptions this year he, he threw seven last year well six last year so it, it's just very strange that you, you you have a veteran offensive group that is you know that that has played together you have a veteran offensive line that have played snaps together you have veteran wide receivers and then you add in a guy like Justin Jefferson, who who basically has taken over the reins of what Stephon's was doing, what Stephon Diggs did last year. So it's just strange that Kirk Cousins can't get on the same page. And you you would hope with ten games left, he, he figures it out. Um, especially just trying to score. I mean, just watching this team outside looking in, the Vikings have always the Vikings always knew how to put four quarters together. And this year, it, it seemed like they just can't do that. And that and that is, that is really strange. Definitely strange to say the least. Let's hear what the Vikings quarterback had to say following the loss. Yeah, it's uh, it, it. You know, I, I need to correct it. You know, I need to finish the season with a different, uh, different story. You know, regarding the interceptions. So that's something that I need to uh, to improve with the remaining games we have. Um, and um, and so you know, I, and I I don't know that I limit to the interceptions. I think it's just the entire you know offensive performance. We just need you know I, I need to be better. We need to be better. All right, Cy, you heard it there from the quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Uh, definitely a tough performance. You look at the stat sheet, as Ben Lieber said earlier in the show, and, and you could definitely be – that's definitely misguiding. Um, probably one of the worst performances of his career as a Minnesota Viking and, and one that many Vikings fans started to question if uh, Sean Mannion should come into the game at some point um, in the second half. But when Coach Zimmer was asked about this following the game – he said that is never a thought that came across his mind. So heading into the bye week, as we said before, how would you handle the Vikings quarterback situation moving forward? Well, let me start out by saying I uh, I am in no way qualified and I'm very thankful that I don't have to think about things like that because it's obviously where all the focus is going to be. It's all the outside noise is going to go towards the quarterback and rightfully so. You know, I... I obviously, anyone who listens to our podcast, Chris, know that I I loved the Cousins signing. I've been a supporter of Cousins. But I think part of being a supporter is being realistic at the same time. And this was bad. I mean, it was just that that you're talking about when the opening play of a game is the most scripted, like that is a play that you have practiced, you know, is like, and to just throw a duck there in the way you do, that's tough to swallow. And it's there, there's been this pattern this year where, you know, I think sometimes the young defense is catching a lot of heat and, and we haven't stepped back and said, we've made a lot of mistakes on our side of the field, on the Viking side of the 50, two of them last week against the Seahawks, three of them this week. And I, I don't. I don't think you don't go get a guy like Kirk Cousins and uh, stick his backup in there. But I've said it every time we've had the discussion about Kirk Cousins. I've said he's going to be able to write his story. They've put things in place for him. He has good wide receivers. He has good running backs. Yes, the offensive line is young and they struggle, but that's not a unique situation in the NFL. He has good tight ends. Uh, you, I don't have the answers. I'm not a coach. I can't break down the X's and O's. I'm not going to sit and speak to Kirk's specific confidence, even though he looks a little rattled back there. But 
it's in front of him. It's for him to do the work. And as a guy who supported him when he got his contract and a guy who supported him, you know, through the first couple of years, uh, that's where I'm going to stay. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the spot that says uh, the guy's got to do the work, you know, and, and I've said this before too. He's always quick to criticize himself. He was again after this game, you know, now, now it's time to criticize yourself and, and correct the stuff. So there'll be an answer, you know, he, he'll play better or he won't. You, yeah. You, you don't, you don't bench Kirk Cousins at, at this point of the season. Like Kirk Cousins is still a good quarterback. He just, like you said, it just hasn't clicked yet for this offense. And yeah, all eyes are looking at Kirk and saying like, Kirk, why is, why isn't it working? But there, there's a bye week. You reassess. You go from there, and then and then you figure it out on the go. But now it isn't the time to bench Kirk. I, I understand why fans are saying it, but I, I don't think it's logical to bench Kirk at this point. He he's still producing for this offense. Yeah, and and he's beyond producing. You know, the team is built in a way that he's a leader. I, I think the the large frustration is uh, a Falcons team that has struggled so mightily on the defensive end this year. Uh, for this sort of performance to happen in that moment following, you know, such a strong game in Seattle. So I, I agree with you, Gabe. I, I can understand where those frustrations are coming from. And, you know, let's be honest, if you didn't feel some of that today, you're probably not a Vikings fan. If you, if you didn't feel some, some rage and some frustration and some disappointment, at the, you know, at the quarterback's uh, performance, you probably don't care enough about this team uh, to consider yourself a true fan. That doesn't mean you throw them out with the, with the garbage. You get back into the shop and you fix the situation because he's your guy. He's proven to play really well in the past, and, and that's, that's what you got to do. The team has to rally around him. He's got to rally for the team, and we've got to march forward. And like I said, you got you got two weeks. You got two weeks to come out because Chris, who do we got coming out of the bye? Is it Green Bay coming out of the bye? The Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Well, let me let me just hammer back into this point that I keep making. You you have the opportunity. This is Green Bay right now, in my opinion, is they're losing to Tampa as we speak. But I think they're, if not the one of the few best teams in all of football. And I don't care if this offense goes and rebounds against a bad team, I don't like to me that you beat who's in front of you, but you're going to have a bye week here. There were a lot of mistakes and then you're going to have a hell of a challenge coming out of the bye week. And if you can go play well there, then you're stepping in the right direction. That's I, that's, I, I welcome that challenge. I don't want to just fix stuff and prove it against a bottom feeder team. I want to fix stuff and go out and play well against the Green Bay Packers. For sure. And after this bye week, uh, like I said, I feel like they should have a get a, a little break in there and then have a, a uninformed or informal practice. But at the same time, it's a new season after this bye week. I'm not saying it's zero, zero and zero, but you are zero and zero each week. But at the same time, these rookies aren't rookies anymore. They've had six games to figure this thing out. So, like, your Jeff Gladney, who's playing really well, Cameron Dantzler, who's coming along really well, uh, DJ Wanams, all these rookies, like, you're, you're not rookies anymore. We're, we're treating you like you're veterans. Like, you've, you've been here long enough to to figure this out. So, hey, let, let's not let's not play with, you know, timid or scared. Let, let's build on what we've what we've got, what we have so far. 
and grow and, and try to win each game. Try to win each – well, not each game. Try to win each one quarter at a time. Win your play and then just build from there. Don't don't look at the big picture. Just look at what how we can improve each and every play. Well, there you have it. The thoughts from Vikings fan Cy Amundsen and Gabe Henderson as well as Ben Lieber. We all try to cope with the fact that the Vikings are 1-5 heading into a bye week of 40-23 loss. Like I said earlier, the first time they start out a season. And, and Chris, Chris, I know, but here's the thing. Here, one thing that I'm going to do that no one's going to like, but it's, it's, it's how I've had to approach 2020 because it's been a difficult year for everyone. I can't, I think it's important to use negativity to spurn positivity. You focus on what you did wrong to get better, but I want to, I want to walk away with the thing that Gabe said you do have a core of young guys who are showing up week in and week out and getting better every single week. Like no one wants to hear this. When you get your ass kicked by a winless team, no one wants to hear this. We, we, you take it one, you're only as good as your last game. You're only as good as the season you're in right now. But the one thing I did think uh, sitting in front of my TV today is Justin Jefferson's a stud. DJ Wanham is starting to make plays. Afadi, who's a young guy, is coming alive. Both these young corners, they look a little suspect at times, and then they'll make a couple really great plays at times. They're growing. You know, a hand is out there. A hand is out there making plays today. So you have literally six to seven. Irv Smith is finally breaking out. You have six to seven guys that could be core guys for your team moving forward that are improving on a week-to-week basis and even did some good stuff in an ass kicking. So as much as there's a lot of frustration today and as much as, you know, this entire town is going to walk into the bye week negative, I am going to take a little bit of that building for the future positivity, knowing that eventually we get Anthony Barr back. Eventually, Michael Pierce is going to be on this team. Eventually, Daniil Hunter is going to be here. So I... I, you know, I realize we just did 15 minutes of complain, complain, complain. I am going to throw that tiny piece of positivity in here. We'll end with positivity from Cy. The Vikings fall to one and five. Knew I'm trying it. (laughs) Their worst start to to a season since 2013 with a 40 to 23 loss from U.S. Bank Stadium. Cy Amundsen, Gabe Henderson, Ben Lieber. This is Chris Corso, and we will see you in two weeks. For the Vikings post-game report, hopefully after a win from Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers.